gonna look at the book of Joshua, the first chapter, Joshua chapter one. Beginning at verse one. Moments like these just make you reflect on just how good God is. Danger seen and unseen. Thank you, Jesus. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy. He is worthy. Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse number 1, we find these words. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this people shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to that, all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen to the reading of his word. Starting a series under the subtext of walk with God. This first piece is entitled get to know him. Get to know him. Get to know him. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word because your word is still life. It's necessary for us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this place. In the spirit of worship, we're still listening to what you would say to us in this moment. Speak to us. Encourage us out of your word. Challenge us. Change us. Transform us. Whatever the need is, God, you have your way. And we thank you for this time. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, get to know him. Get to know him. And I was in Sam's Club. Some of y'all Sam's Club and 
Price Club, Price whatever it is, club people know what I'm talking about. A whole lot of people in there. But I, I observed something. It was an older man. He was an immigrant. I don't know. He might have been in the 60s, 70s. And at Sam's Club, he wanted to purchase like a, a bottled drink at the, the food section. And he went, you know, was telling the lady behind the counter he wanted to pay. But she told him, you know, we don't do that anymore. You know, it's that you have to self-check out at the kiosk on your own. And so he was kind of looking at her like, what? I, I just want to buy this drink. And she was looking at him like, you, no, we, I can't take the money because we don't do that anymore. You got to handle that over here by yourself. And so finally, she just realized that the man was just taken back by all of this. And so she walked around the counter and helped him check out check his stuff out. And it struck me because the man was afraid. The man was like, I'm, I used to be able to just hand, you know, get this drink, but now I got to do this. And some of us know what we're talking about, even with these things we call cell phones. Um, <laughs> we have them, but do we really even know how to use them? Uh, there's more power in here than you had in the first computer that took up a whole room this size. You know, there's so many things that this phone can do that we don't even realize. Even on yesterday, my niece was over over the house, and she wanted, you know, they have their tablets and stuff, so they want the password. So I'm figuring, I'm old school. I got to go down and get the long password that they gave me and give them the password. And so I'm sitting there telling them what it is the long way, and they, they didn't get it right. But then my phone pops up and says, would you like to share access to Sanaa Cheki? Because they got Apple devices, too. And so they realized that I was trying to give them the password. And it's like, would you like to do that? All I had to do was click the button, boom. Oh, we got it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've been embarrassed, been embarrassed many times by my children trying to do something. They just want to grab the phone and say, let me get to it, Dad. Let me just do it myself. <laughs> so time you, time you figure it out. <laughs> Because there's so many things in this thing that you can do that, that, that we just don't really understand. And this generation was born with technology. It was born in their hands. You know, they're used to being able to swipe and, and touch this. It's natural. But for us, it's some of us, we're like immigrants. We're, we're, we're now having to do something that we hadn't done before. It's different for us. And we've got to go through the difficult times of, and the process of learning some new information. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And that can be kind of challenging for us. It can be kind of fearful for us when a young person may be standing there looking at you saying, yeah, do this. Now, you were in the store, and I just push this in, type this in, and you're sitting there going, okay, so I got a what now? And, and <laughs> so just turn your phone around. I'll do it for you. And they, you, you see what I'm saying? But, but this is what kind of happens to a generation uh, that we're raising now because it's a generation that may not know God, right? They don't know how to necessarily access God, and they don't know all that God entails and all that God has for them. They're like immigrants, <laughs> coming into a situation. See, because when, when, when the children of Israel were here, they were in the wilderness and they were wandering around. They didn't know God. It was, they didn't have that same relationship with God. Now, they heard about grandma's God and they heard about pop-pop's God and, and mom and dad's God, but their interaction with God and the power of his kingdom was not there because they were a generation that was born into wandering in the wilderness. 
But I'm here to say in 2020, things can really be different because in 2020, I really want to know God for myself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I really want to know God and not just knowing him personally, but understanding what he has intention for my life, what he wants to me to be have for my life as a believer. And I really want to walk with God this year. I want to walk with God and understand him. And I, yes, I ask myself the question sometimes, will God really walk with me? And the answer is yes, he will. But if we're going to walk with God, we're going to have to get to know God. Somebody say, get to know him. And so we talked this year about our theme being church on assignment. And, and whenever you get an assignment, there's a couple of things that you need to do. First thing you need to do is you need to read the assignment carefully. Whenever somebody gives you an assignment, you need to read it carefully so that you make sure so you understand the assignment. And if you don't understand the assignment, then you have to ask the instructor, the person who gave you the assignment, about the assignment to get clarity. Are you following? But this assignment did not come from Pastor Tony, didn't come from the elders. This assignment came from God himself. Because when we look at Matthew 24 and 14 as review, and it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So we talked about our assignment is to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom to a new generation. To proclaim the gospel of the kingdom to a new generation. And kingdom really deals with the idea that the king, God himself, through Jesus, his person, Jesus Christ, would, would rule in our lives in a way that reveals his glory, right? So that the glory of God would be manifest and things that are broken would now be made whole and things that were lost would now be made found. Because all that God is would be manifested in our lives and that he would defeat our enemies, that's the kingdom of God where the king rules in every area, every dimension. And we know that when, when the end times come, that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to see that he's king of kings and lord of lords all by himself. But in the meantime, Jesus came and ushered this thing and called the kingdom because now because of Christ that we can experience the fact that, yes, his glory can be manifested in our lives. That we, when we're lost, we can now be found. When we're broken, we can now be made whole, Right? And that the glory of God could be manifest and he can defeat the enemies in our lives. And when he talks about nations, it's not just talking about different countries, but he's talking about different people groups, different ethnos, different people groups. And this even includes a generation that doesn't know God. Okay? So in order for us to complete this assignment, this is a review from last week, there are three things that we've got to make sure that we're doing, three check boxes that we've got to make sure of. One of them is that we've got to walk with God. Okay, we can't complete this assignment without walking with God. Secondly, we got to love and serve people. And lastly, we got to spread the gospel or spread the good news. And so with that in mind, talking from the first thing is walking with God, I want to look at the book of Joshua. And Joshua is a great example because it's, it's God's people, a generation who may not necessarily be walking with God, are getting ready to inherit uh, what would be demonstrated as a kingdom. Okay? They're getting ready to go to walk into God's promises. They're getting ready to go into to, 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 uh, take hold of what God had promised from before. And the book of Joshua spans 25 years after the death of Moses. So the children of Israel came out of, of Egypt. God brought them out. He brought them into the wilderness. And then now they're getting ready to go in and to take the inheritance that God had given them. It's, it's, it's a model for us now to look at what kingdom living is supposed to be. Okay, that's what Joshua will help us to do. And it's 25 years, it's, it spans 25 years after the death of Moses. But you got to understand, it's talking about a generation of people who did not know God. They knew about God, 
but didn't necessarily know God. Because remember, in 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, things get lost. And so their, their religious practices, so to speak, was weak. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They, they knew about certain things and sacrifices, but a lot of that stuff started to fall off the wayside. It, it got weak. And they were a wilderness generation. They didn't have the same experiences. This is a generation that didn't know about the Red Sea. See, they, they didn't really, they, they weren't there. They weren't born yet. They didn't understand. They didn't see the, the great dynamic when the, the waters were over here and the waters were over here and, and they saw the people of God walking through. They didn't see that miracle. They heard about it sort of, kind of, but that was, a, seems like it was a long time ago. And so it was a generation that came out of the wilderness. But I, I need to encourage some of us today that we've got to remind the generation about what God has done. So I'm talking to some of my seasoned saints. I'm talking to some people who've been walking with God for a while that, that we've got to take responsibility in 2020, that we remind some folk about what God has done. Uh, no, they weren't there when he delivered you from drugs, but they still need to hear about it. You see what I'm saying? No, they weren't there when, when, when God helped you through a difficult marriage, but they still need to understand about it. No, they weren't there when the doctor told you had cancer and now 30 years you're still living. No, you, you need to, to talk about it. Even though they weren't there, they may not act like they even care, but somebody's got to start talking it up in this season. You got to hear, because we got to remind people of what God has already done. We got to talk about what God has already done in the life of the church, that people have come, say thousands of people have come to the Lord through this ministry. People need to hear about it about that. People need to hear that. People have been sick and people of marriages have been brought together. People who said they couldn't have children, God has given them children. We've got to be able to talk about. Somebody's got to take responsibility in 2020. I'm talking to some of my seasoned saints that you got to start owning the fact that I got to tell some young people, I got to tell this generation about the goodness of God. They need to hear about it, not so that they can just have revisionist history, but they got to anticipate that God is getting ready to do something in this generation. Are you hearing? We got to whet the appetite that God's going to move in this generation. He's not just the God of the past. He's not just the God of the future, but he's also a God of the present. And guess what? God is getting ready to do something and show himself mighty and show himself strong and show himself to be who he is in this generation. Am I talking to somebody that wants to see God? I want to see this for myself. The book of Joshua teaches us how to not only cross into the land, but it teaches us how to take the land. See, because you can be in there, but not take it. It's what I tell my son all the time. You can check into the game, but you better do something while you're in the game. You see what I'm saying? You don't just need a uniform going back and forth. Anybody can do something. Score a bucket. <laughs> Get an assist. Grab a rebound. You, you hear what I'm saying? So you can get into the land and not know what to do when you're in there. The book of Joshua, he tells us how to t get in there. He tells us how to take what God has for us. He tells us how to divide the land. And he tells us how to serve God in the land. Subpoint number one that we got to understand in this book of Joshua, it teaches us that death is a portal to a new beginning. Death is a portal to a new beginning. He starts off, he's saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's a powerful statement. God starts talking. The first thing he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. I tell you, death is a portal to a new beginning. See, whenever death occurs, that means new beginning is happening. Even in the natural, when, when, when our loved ones transition, right, they're just entering into the beginning of what their eternity state will, will be. See? It's, 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 it's new beginning. When your job dies, guess what? It's a new beginning. 
right? As painful as that might be, guess what? It's a new beginning. Guess what? It's a new opportunity. It's a new assignment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Death is a portal to a new beginning. And God says something very powerful. He says it this way. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Notice God doesn't say Moses is dead. But he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, those two words, my servant, are very powerful because it gives you context to who Moses was. See, in other words, Moses might have been the face that you knew, that you could see. Moses was the face that you could experience. Are you following? But Moses worked for me. (laughs) Did you get that? See, Moses was the model that you knew. (laughs) Moses was the method that you were used to. You, can, you didn't see me, but you saw Moses, right? And so you realized there was a me because you saw what Moses was doing. But when the, when the model you're used to and what you've seen before is no longer gone, right, sometimes we think God is gone. But Moses, God is making a very clear statement. Moses, my servant, is dead. And actually the reality is he's more, he's dead to you <laughs> because Moses was actually with God, But he's dead to you. In other words, you can't see him no more. But I just want you to know very clearly that I'm still alive. It'll catch up with you in a minute. See, Moses, my servant, is dead, but I'm still here. (laughs) I ain't gone nowhere. And the good news for us is that because I haven't gone nowhere, what I promised is still intact. (laughs) See, sometimes we think when, when something happens, when it leaves, when our, when our methodology and what we're used to is gone, that what God has promised is also now gone. But the good news is God, God is still going to deliver what he promised. <laughs> See, God promised the children of Israel, his Abraham seed in Genesis chapter 17, that he would give them this land, this land of Canaan. And God is saying that your fathers have died, but I promised them that I would give them a land, and I'm about to give it to you. Second key point here is that the promises of God are not, give, are not earned, but they're given. Are you hearing? The promises of God are given and not earned. See, we cannot earn mercy. Anybody realize that? Mercy is given to us by God. He just gives us mercy. How many realize that we can't earn grace? That's what grace means, unmerited. It means we didn't even earn this thing. Are you following? How many know that the power that we have, we didn't earn? We didn't earn it. God gave it to us. Somebody say he gave it to us. The promises of God are given and not earned. Watch this. It's very important. See, even if we're not in a place where we ought to be, that doesn't mean that God's promises is stopped. Come on, let's be real. He promised them, and these are people that really weren't even following him or serving him well. But he promised to give it to them, and he was going to give it to them. It's good news for some of us because if some of us, to be honest, we ain't living the way we should be living. Come on in here. You're going to get quiet on me today, huh? Who's in your house? Come on, somebody. Come on. We, who's in your bed? Come on, somebody. Look at your checkbook. Have you, have, have you, are you tithing? Are you giving God an offering? <laughs> I'll, I'll go over here. You see, you see what I'm saying? Some of us, we ain't, <laughs> we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Come on. Let's look in your desk drawer. Come on, somebody. Let's look in your bedroom drawer, huh? What's under your bed? What's in your glove compartment? <laughs> I'm talking to a generation that got, got you understand what I'm saying. We, we're not doing what we're supposed to do, but God is still going to deliver on his promise. This is good news for me because I don't deserve this thing. 
Say, I, I, no one deserves any of this. But because he promised, because he said it, he's going to deliver. And so the people knew Moses. And they would get to know Joshua, but they didn't really know God. That's why in verse 17 he says this. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God, you see, only the Lord your God. Didn't say our God, he's your God. Be with you as he was with Moses. See, the people didn't want to know God. Because God told the people early in Exodus, he said, y'all come meet me at the mountain. The people said, nah, that's all right, we scared, we don't, we, we don't want any of that. Moses, you go up there, you be our designate. And you just tell us what God said. And then we'll listen to whatever you tell us that God said. So the people didn't want any part of dealing with God. But we got to understand that Jesus Christ came to change that. <laughs> Jesus Christ came to change that. Are you following? He came so that we can have a relationship with God ourselves. See, Jesus Christ came so that we can have interaction with God on our own. And why am I telling you this? Because it's important. Christ died and shed his blood for a reason. He didn't shed his blood for no reason. It's for a purpose. And in 2020, we got to understand this. Number one is do not depend on people for your relationship with God. Okay? It's just, it's just shifting in some of our mentality. Stop depending on people. Listen, I am going to do my very best to honor God and to honor you as a pastor of this church. But do not depend on me. Deacon Hardy is going to do the very best he can to be the lead deacon of this church and to represent you before the people and honor God. But do not depend on Deacon Hardy. I'm telling you, Pastor Kim is going to do her very best. And we love Pastor Kim. She will pray for you. She will love you. Her hand will start shaking with the anointing of God. And she's going to tell you and do all that stuff and pray for you. But guess what? Do not depend on that in 2020 and beyond. See, we cannot depend on other people. See, people were dependent upon Moses and, and they were going to depend upon Joshua, but God has changed that. In 2020 and beyond in this generation, you got to realize that you got to make it personal. Somebody say, make it personal. This has to be a personal thing. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to get to know God for who he is, it's got to be personal. You can't know God through the pastor. You can't know God through the deacons. You can't know God through your mama. You can't know God through grandma. You can't know God through your father. You can't know God through any of them people. You got to know God for yourself. Walking with God is a personal endeavor. And you got to take this thing personally. In 2020, it's personal for me. I got to get to know God for myself. Somebody shout, it's personal. Yes, it's personal. God told, God told Joshua, he said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. See, it's not about what Moses has done now. It's between me and you now. We got to get to know God for our own selves. It's personal. And when something's personal for us, we act different. You see what I'm saying? Because this is personal. Come on, you ever been in a situation where you say, oh, this is personal, right? You take it personally. This hit me to my heart. That I'm going to get involved in a whole nother way. I'm going to get invested in a whole nother way because it's personal. We can't have a church that's resting upon the church to pray for you. You got to pray for yourself. It's personal. Come on in here, somebody. You can't just depend on getting a word on Sunday morning. Yes, you need a word on Sunday morning, but you got to open up the word for yourself because it's personal. It's personal. It's per this is my life we're talking about. It's personal. 
and God wants it to be personal. So if we're going to walk with God and get to know him, we got to make it personal. Moving on, I'm reminded of a show I was watching and a gentleman named Schaefer Shamir Smith. You know him? No, well, he goes by the name of Neo. That's his, that's his stage name, Neo. <laughs> Schaefer Shamir Smith, better known as Neo. And he was talking about the story of growing up and his aunt lived with him. It was her house and her, his aunt had a boyfriend. And this boyfriend was living with her and then this boyfriend started to kind of creep on the side with somebody else and started tripping. And so she put his stuff out on the street. And he came home one day, saw his stuff out on the street. And then so he's knocking on the door and he starts jabbing back and forth with her and you don't know who I am and, and all this stuff. And she heard him, he heard her say to him, you must not know me. <laughs> so years later, as he's budding his, his career, he's building his career, he had a career as a writer. And so he wrote a song about that. <laughs> And he, and he wrote the song down and, and pitched it to a couple of people, and they said, nah, we, we, we don't like that song, nah. But this one lady named Beyonce said, I like that song. And then she said, to the left, to the left, to the left. See, see and I said, you must not know about me. You must not know about me, right? She said, I have another you in the <laughs> You see what I'm saying? That's where that song came from, see? Because dude didn't know about her, see? But Neo didn't write that himself because God said the same thing, see? He's telling the people in that living in Canaan, you all must not know about me, see? Because I'm getting ready to replace you. Come on in here, somebody. You think you're irreplaceable. No, no, no. You're acting a fool. You're not doing, come on in here, somebody. I'm getting ready to replace you with somebody else. Because you must not know about me. The Canaanites and the Hivites and all the tights and all the ites, they know him. I'm going to deal with that later weeks, but they didn't know him. And God said, I'm getting ready to clear y'all out. Your stuff going to be on the left. Just look, that's all your stuff. This is my stuff. My name's on the jag. Hello, somebody. My name's on the house, not yours. You ain't talking about you don't know who, you don't know who I am. Up in my house, fooling around on oh, Come on in here. <laughs> but God was getting ready to move in the people that he had to make sure that, that you know who I am before I move you in. Because when we look at Joshua, we understand that they, they weren't able to survive there because they just messed up. But it's, it's insight for us. And I, I'm going to the book of Hosea real quick, chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, and then dealing with this concept. God, he talks about Hosea 4, 1 and 2, and it'll come up on the screen where he begins to show us. He says, there's no truth in the land. 
Hear the word of the Lord. He said, your children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or watch this or knowledge of God in the land. Verse two says what? By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. This is stop right here. He says, there's no mercy, there's no truth in the land, and there's no knowledge of God. He said, the people don't know me. You see, you see what he's saying here? And there, the, the, the fact that, or what we know to indicate that is that there's, there's swearing in the land. People are swearing by another God. They're swearing by somebody else. There's some type of power, power outside of God. They're swearing that they're going to do evil and commit evil. Number two, he says that they're lying. Come on, am I talking to anybody in here? What kind of world are we in? Just, just full of lies. Everything's a lie. You know, we got, you know, what do we call this? Fake truth and faith facts and all this stuff because everything's a lie. See, truth is so important to us because truth is foundational. Truth is solid like this because you can rely on truth, but a lie is just it's shaky ground. And you ever had a relationship that was built on a lie? Come on and hear somebody. It just comes crashing down. You don't know what. You don't know where they are, where they're going, what she said, who she is, how old they are. Come on. How many times they've been locked up, tore up, whatever. You have no idea because everything they said is just a lie. You can't rest on that. He says there's no truth here. It's how we know people don't know God because God is all truth. He says what? Then he goes on. He says they're stealing. Everybody know what I'm talking about. We're stealing in the land. Everybody's stealing some stuff that ain't even all. We steal identities. We steal people's money. We steal all kinds of stuff. Everybody that's stealing what's not there. He says, and they break all restraint. Somebody stay restrained. Say they break all restraint. I'm also reminded of Proverbs where he says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Right? But that word vision is really better, better translated restraint. In other words, there, where there's no restraint, people perish. This is important. Stay with me. He said, that's why there's bloodshed upon bloodshed. And we're in a generation where nobody likes restraint. <laughs> Come on, church. We try to go somewhere on assignment. Nobody likes restraint. Huh? We can't say a marriage is between a man and a woman. We can't say that anymore. That's too much restraint, and we're casting it off. Come on, let's, let's not get soft as a church. We got to preach truth. Because there's no restraint anymore. See, God says this is what it is. He puts it on it, but we don't want that, and we break it off. You see what I'm saying? Now, come on, you're going to see it. Now we're past that now. Now it's going to be three and four people married. Well, who says? Come on, Tracy, who says I can't? Why can't I have three wives? If I want to marry my horse, who's going to stop me? Because I love my horse. And when there's love, who are you, you going to stop me? There's no restraint. We don't want it. Take that, oh, come on, I, I can go where I want. There's no restraint. All drugs be legal. Why? What? what, what, what? But I don't need any. Who, who's going to tell? Who, who are you? Come on now. Who are you to tell me? What I can smoke and what I can't smoke. What I can snort and what I cannot snort. Bloodshed. We kill them in the womb. We don't want no restraint. Just because you don't see the bloodshed and a doctor sucks it out of a, a, out of a vacuum, don't mean the blood is not being shed. 
But nobody likes to talk about it because we don't want no restraint. We don't, we don't want it. That's how God said, y'all don't know me. So I know, I know you don't know me because this is stuff I'm seeing. And, and the thing is, he wasn't talking to the world. He was talking to the church. <laughs> Go back. He said, to, to, to my people. This stuff happened in the church. It's difficult. This is what I'm saying. He's just, he's like, There's no restraint. But to get to know him, we have to stay close to him. Watch this. Matthew chapter 11, 27 and 30. He says this. All things have been delivered to me. This is Jesus talking by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son will, wills to reveal. So in other words, nobody knows God but the, but the Son, except those who he chooses to reveal him to. Now watch. 28 says this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Keep going. It says, take my yoke, my restraint, upon you, and learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. First thing here is he says, come to me, verse 28. <laughs> in 2020, we got to come to him. If we're going to walk with him and know him, we've got to come to him. See, when a parent, you know, I know when, when I'm upstairs and they downstairs, I want to tell them something. I tell them, come here to me. I know it's technology. You want to text me from the basement. No, come here to me. You see what I'm saying? I, I want you here in my space so that you can see my face when I'm saying what I'm getting ready to say to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want you to see my expression, my, my body language. I'm not just texting it to you or sending it to you in some other way. I'm, you know, come to me. And God is saying in 2020, he said, just come to me. I'm not asking you about your issues or anything. I just, just come to me. Come into my space. And, and the shepherds of old, what they would do is when there was a sheep that would wander away, what they would do, it would break his legs and then put him up on his neck and, and carry it for a while so that that sheep could get used to the shepherd, used to the shepherd's voice and used to that so he wouldn't wander away anymore. And God may have to do that to some of us. He may have to break some of our legs. He may have to break some of our ability to go out and wander and do some of the stuff we wanted to and keep us. That's why your car not working. See, that's why certain things not working for you because he needs you to get close. He just, I'm going to have to break that and snap that off and, and let people go out your life and they gone and she gone and he gone. All that stuff happened because God's breaking some things so that you can be close to him, so that you can smell him, so that, that you can get used to his voice. He wants you close to him. Come to me. And 21, it's a coming thing. So some of us got to realize that we got to start coming to church a little bit more regularly. Come on in here, somebody. Some of us, we got to start coming to Sunday school and start getting in the Word a little bit more. Some of us, we got to come to prayer and start praying some more. Some of us, we got to start fighting whatever we got to do to come to God. We got to start doing that. Because he says, come to me. Come to me. And the second thing he says here, he says, take my yoke. Somebody say yoke. It's a restraint. He said, take my restraint upon you and learn of me. See, you can't walk with God without restraint. <laughs> we can't walk with God without restraint. Walking with God brings restraint. 
It does. God instituted marriage. And when you get married, you got restraint. I can't be flirting with every girl. You see what I'm saying? Because she's cute. And be swiping and, and come on, I'm trying to help somebody. You, you see what I'm saying? There's restraint. <laughs> it, it, it's restraint. I can't go everywhere I want to go because there's restraint. He said, you know, you got to avoid the very appearance of evil. You know, you see what I'm saying sometimes? It's just restraint. There's some things I just can't do because it's just not the, the right thing to do. And, and it's not because you said so or them church folk and them church people. That has nothing to do with it. It's just it's, there's just restraint. It just is. Certain things I just can't say. Why? Because it ain't true. <laughs> it's restraint. He says, take my yoke upon me. In other words, that God has to be the one that directs some things and directs our energy and those gifts that he gives us. And we got to have the restraint. But too many of us, we want to throw it off. And in 2020, we got to stop throwing off God's restraint. We got to learn how to live with it. You know, guess what? I can't go there. I can't go there. Deal with it. Yes. Financially, guess what? I got to honor God with some things, but I got to get my house in order. Guess what? I can't take five trips this year. Deal with it. No, it's real talk. I, I, I can't buy a new car every two years. Deal with it. <laughs> it's called restraint. And guess what? When you're under restraint, it can be difficult. But he's not difficult. See, this is what, this is what we learn. See, we learn that, that, that he is not difficult. God really is not that hard. <laughs> he's not. He's loving. He's gentle. But we got to be close to him to realize that. You see what I'm saying? We see people on TV. This is how we live life. We, we watch reality TV, quote, unquote, on television. And we think we know people. <laughs> We don't know them. We haven't sat, had a meal with them. We ain't talked to them. We ain't seen them behind when the camera's not on. <laughs> Come on, right? But we think we know them, but we don't know the people we live with. But it's the people who are close to us that really know us, right? <laughs> see, my, my, parent, my, my wife and children can talk to you about me, right? You see me up here. They see me at home. Say, <laughs> so y'all think you know him. <laughs> we really know him. Let him get hungry and see what happens. <laughs> and this what this what God is saying to us. He said, if you if you come close to me and you stay within my restraint, you're gonna you're gonna really start to get to know who I am and, and, and why I think the way that I think a little bit and, and why I do what I do and why I have restraint on certain things. Because it's about who he is. Stay close to him. I'm wrapping up, but here it is. God's talking to Joshua. He said, everywhere you go, Nobody's going to be able to stop you. This is what God said. He said, the place where your feet tread, nobody will be able to stop you. In other words, you're going to go in and kill some folk. We're going to have a message called Kill It Later. It's coming. Well, you're going to go in and kill some stuff that's in your way and in your space. And ain't nobody going to be able to stop you. 
Could you imagine that? Come on in here. I, I, that makes me excited. That you, no, nobody's going to be able to stop you. No, no devil, no imp, no, nobody's going to be able to stop you from what God has for you. You will be unstoppable. <laughs> See what I'm saying? You'll be able to handle whatever comes your way. You'll be able to deal with some stuff. But we got to realize that there's warfare. That it's not going to come easy. There's going to be some difficult days. And you're going to have to persevere through some stuff to get what belongs to you. And the devil's not always going to just get out your way. Sometimes it will, but sometimes you're going to have some devils that are going to stand there and say, oh, no, no, no. You want to get rid of me? We're going to have to fight on this thing. But he said nobody will be able to stop you. You don't have to lose heart and lose courage and be fearful no matter what you face. That, that you can go through it. That all things that I promised you, you're going to have. This is what he tells them. But there's a key in here, and I'm going to bring up this last story, and I've shared this before. When, when I first got married 21, going on 22 years ago, my beautiful wife, we got married. We live in an apartment, and she was going to school, and, and, and I was the one working. And she wanted to be a teacher, and I wanted to support that dream, and this is what we agreed, she, that, that she would stop working, she would go to school, and that I would work. So I caught the bus and did everything. She drove back and forth to Frederick, you know, doing all that. But the thing that, the funny story I always tell is that I would say, listen, we got to get groceries. You got to go to the store. Here's $150 for some groceries. She would go to the store, come back with $275 worth of groceries. Is $150 for grocery. But we need all this stuff. We need this, and we need this, and we, we need this, and we need this. Uh, sweetie, we don't need all that in this week. We're not going <laughs> to go through all that stuff this week. Next week will be another week by God's grace. And, and, and more income will come through the door, and we can get those things. But for this week, I needed you to be at $150. Watch now. See, because I say this all the time, my wife had enough faith in me. She knew me enough to marry me, but that was pretty much about it. <laughs> See, because it took time being close to me, right? It took time being close to me to get to know me where she began to trust me. So that all the stuff that she knew she needed was going to come, even though I said, don't get it right now. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody here. You see, now 21 years later, I'm very comfortable. I can tell my wife, do this, da, 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 da. and I'm not, I'm not talking about slave time, but she'll do what I ask her to do because she knows me. You see what I'm saying? So if it's $150, that's it. She knows me because she knows that what's going to come is going to come because he promised. And here's where I'm wrapping this thing up. We got to understand this. God said, you're going to do all of this, but he said, what's going to keep you not being afraid? What's going to keep you being courageous? What's going to keep you being strong is not you, but it's me. He says that I will be with you no matter wherever you go. And here's the key that it only 
matters that God is with us if we know who he is and we trust him. But if we don't know him, it's not going to matter. See, but when we know who God is, that we know he's faithful, that he know he's a promise keeper, that he knows that he can do all things and do all things well, and that we know that he can move situations around, and we know that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We know that he's undefeated. We know that he's patient, and sometimes he'll lit back and let the enemy do what he's going to do, but in due time, he'll come in like, like a standard and destroy the enemy when we know him because we watched him before. We see how he's defeated his enemies, that the enemy think he's going to come one way, but God will come in through another way, and he'll find a way to make stuff happen. The enemy thinks he's got him like Wile E. Coyote, super genius, but he doesn't know that it's going to blow right up in his face because God's got another plan. God's got another path. When we know this about God because we've walked with God for some time, we've had some experience with God in some season, we've seen God that we can trust God. That's why I'm not afraid of what happens because I know God is with me and that means something to me because I know him. I'm not, a, I'm not dismayed about what's going on because I know that God is with me. I can have courage wherever I go that God is with me. It's important for us. We got to know God. And I'm wrapping up. One of the things the Lord laid on my heart was this. Is that we've got to be intentional about knowing God. So what I've done is here's a book. It's called Big Truth for Young Hearts. Okay? And the book is Teaching and Learning the Greatness of God. The subtitle. And what it does is it teaches basic theology to us in a way that a child could understand. It talks about who Christ is, how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relate to each other. It talks about what he did on atonement on the cross. It talks about the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives. It talks about what happens in the end. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read, beginning in February, one chapter a week. Now, I've added a couple of uh, Bible verses to go along with it. He talks for the Bible. But I added a couple things to kind of spice it up, which you'll have available to you. But what I'm asking for us is that we're going to be intentional this year, that we're going to get to know this God that we serve. All right? We're going to know who he is, and we're going to know about why our faith is what it is, so that we can be a strong church. All right? And I'm calling this know to grow. The more we know, the more we can grow in him. All right? And it's, it's big truths for young hearts. And on the screen, it'll tell you how to get it. One way you can get it is in our bookstore. We'll be, it's selling in the bookstore. Uh, you can start today. We got some copies of today. But you can go online on Amazon and get it. You can get it at ChristianBook.com. You can get it on our e-reader. But I want to ask you to, to, to do it. If you got to share at home, that's okay. But still make it personal. Right? That we want to know. And, and listen, the chapters are like three pages long. It's not long. You can read it in five minutes. It's not that difficult. I'm not putting a whole lot on us, but we got to just take the time to be intentional to get to know the God we serve. So we're going to have our Bible open, right? And we'll have the book. And some people say, well, why, why the book? Why a book? Well, you got to remember that in, in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian was in his chariot, and the Bible said uh, Philip went to the Ethiopian, and, and he had the Bible open, and he was reading the Scriptures. And he says, well, how could I know it unless somebody helped me with it? And so this is not replacing the Bible. It's just helping us to understand. 
See what I'm saying? Because a lot of times we hear stuff that we really don't understand. Right? So I want us to understand when he talks about the Holy Spirit, what, who that is, so we don't call him an it. <laughs> he is a he, the third person of the Trinity. I know what you mean, trust me. I'm not trying to be difficult, but, but he is a he. And the work that he does in our lives and what Christ has done on the cross, what that really means for us. And what happens when you die? All this stuff is, is in here, and so we can have more understanding of who this great God is. All right? So the information was on your screen. The book is in the bookstore. You can get it today. We're going to begin in the first week in February. All right? First week in February, we're going to start with chapter one, or the first chapter that I've outlined for us. And every week, I'm going to reference it some way, somehow. I want you to do your reading. Can we do that together? Can we grow together? Can we get to know God together? That's it. Stand on your feet. I want to pray for us in this moment. We might shout a little bit more next week, but this week we just wanted to get through some stuff because God is teaching us some things. Amen? I want you to think about your relationship with the Lord right now in this moment. I want you to think about walking with God, how it's personal. How walking with God is going to require you to be close to him by coming to him and taking on his yoke. And I just, with your, with your own, if you want to lift your hands, it's not. If you don't, that's fine. But I just want you to surrender yourself to God in this year. God, I want to know you this year for myself. God, I want to walk with you and be the person that you've created me to be this year, this decade will look different than the last decade because I want to walk closer with my God. Father, I thank you and I bless you, O oh God, for your people, God. Our hands are lifted, but more importantly, our hearts are bent towards you, O oh God, that we want to walk with you, O oh God, and we know that you want to walk with us. You want us to know you in a very real way. And God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that as we press in, oh God, as we press in in prayer, and we press in in the word, oh God, that we press in in life, God, that you'll teach us and you'll reveal yourself to us. Jesus, you said that those who you reveal yourself to would know the Father. God, we ask that you continue to show us the Father. Show us his heart. Show us who you are in him. God, that we can walk with you, God. And I thank you, God. And I thank you that strongholds are going to be broken. God, I thank you that the, the enemy's attack will be stopped, oh God, and we'll be victorious in everything. The devil is a liar. Jesus is exalted. And we thank you, God, for it. And I bless you and I honor you, God, that we're going to grow in this season. And we love you, God. We praise you, God. You are our God. It's personal. You're our God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. While we're praying. Is there somebody here that does not know Jesus? You can be seated in this moment. But if there's somebody here that does not know the Lord Jesus, you have not given yourself to Jesus. You've not given your life to Jesus. And you hear the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart saying, come to me. Is there one that would want to give their life to Jesus? Is there one that would want to get saved? One to one to say, I am a child of God. I want to walk with Jesus. Is there one that wants to come today? Is there one? Is there somebody? I want Jesus in my life. I want him to be Lord of my life. Is there somebody that wants to come? In these last few moments, this is the most important part of service. 
where somebody would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Is there one that wants to come? Is there somebody looking to be saved? Is there one? Is there somebody looking for a church home? You've been visiting us, and you hear God saying, this is the place. This is where I want you to work out your soul salvation. Is there somebody that wants to join this local fellowship and make this their church home? God bless you. I see you. God bless you, my sister. Is there somebody else? Somebody else looking. You already saved. You already know Jesus. But you hear him saying, this is the place. This is the place I want to grow you. This is the place I want to walk with you. Is there somebody else that wants to make ICOG their church home? We would love to have you. Is there one? Is there one? Last 30 seconds. Just want to give a shout out. Is there one? We don't want to leave this place without you even knowing Jesus or you have a church home. Is there somebody? Is there somebody else? Don't let the enemy trick you. It's necessary that you know Jesus. Amen. Give God praise. Give him honor. Give him glory. You can do better than that. Somebody came today. Come on. Let's, let's celebrate what God is doing. God bless you. We can stand to our feet. By God's grace, we'll be here on Wednesday for prayer and Bible study resumes. Amen. But you got today, tomorrow. We know that God is with us wherever we go. Amen. Amen. So you're the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are more than a conqueror because of him who loves you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, we thank you for this time, God. We thank you that we want to get to know you and walk with you this year, God. I pray for my brothers, my sisters, God, this family of God, that you continue to walk with us, lead us in your purpose, oh God. And we're looking for a generation, oh God, to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus in every area of our lives, oh God. And we declare that we are on assignment, oh God, that you can work in our lives. And we bless you, God. We honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Grace and peace.